So good to be here this morning. Just a quick reminder in Spanish that I will do. Si usted eh, nos visita el día de hoy y necesita traducción al español, hay disponible en, eh, por medio de la aplicación interactiva que usted ha estado viendo. Some quick reminder, um, tonight prayer meeting will be dismissed. We're going to have prayer meeting because of all the activities. So I want you to come and, and uh, support the school. And I know it's a great place, so make plans accordingly. And so it will be good. I want to ask you something this morning. Uh, for the past year and a half, two years, I've been studying about this topic. And uh, really, it's been very dear to my heart and been doing quite a bit of, you know, investigation and research and just thinking and meditating and praying about it. Um, and it's just one uh, question that I'm going to ask you throughout today is, what's stopping you? I mean, I, I didn't say stopping you for what. It's just something that I believe that you have to think about. What's stopping you from the life you want, from healing, from the Lord, from growth, from anything, any project or anything that you have. What is stopping you? And I want to talk to you this morning about becoming unstoppable because I believe that the Lord made us, created us in a way that we should be unstoppable. Amen? Now, We gather things, and I mean, here's the thing. We have to train our hearts for the future. Let me, let me read to you, you know, uh, Genesis 1.11. It says, it tells us that God, and this is from the beginning, from the starting point. This is God's design. It says, then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the, on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was made that way. So it works in nature, and I believe that works with humans as well. When we think about future, we are always thinking something that's going to happen way past there, something that is going to just happen It's just gonna, we are going to encounter future. But I believe that future, God sent you. He's always thinking about generations. When he created you, he was thinking about generations. It's not just, he's not thinking about your present or your past. He's thinking about your future and what that will look like. And so the future is not something that goes from the outside into the inside, but the complete opposite something that is locked inside of you that through time, through discipline, and external factors that we're going to talk about can come out. Proverbs 4.23 says that the, watch over your heart with all diligence. From it, it flows the springs of life. I mean, we know this verse, but I want to tell you a little bit about how I see, because I was studying a little bit about this word, where it flows And that what it's saying that the instrument for future is the heart. The instrument of taking what's inside of you to the outside is the heart. We can call it the birthing canal, a pressure point that serves as a transition place from the small unseen into a world of possibilities. So the seed of future is something that God placed inside of you. All of us have purpose. The problem is we're trying to find that outside, and that's where it becomes the biggest problem. When we're trying to find our purpose, when we're trying to find our value, our worth on things outside to validate who we are, on who we think we are, or who we think we should be. Future is not something you find sometime ahead, but something that you will develop inside that would connect ahead of time. So when we talk about guarding your heart, we always think about putting in a safe. 
You know, we always think about, I'm going to put it, you know, under the table. Nobody's going to touch it. You know, no, nobody's going to mess with it. And when we, you know, when the Lord asked me for, for that heart, I'm going to give it back. The same way, when we read in Matthew 25, we find a parable of the talents. So what it happens is the third guy, you know it very well, the third guy gives the talent, which is a weight, it gives it back the same way he got it. Now, there's an expectation from the master that he should have done something with it. Just because you got something in one way doesn't mean the Lord is expecting to for you to return it the same way. And so when you have gifts and talents and ideas and projects and dreams that are inside, they are locked up inside of you, I'm excited because I believe there is people. And here's the thing. If you're here today and you have a pulse and you're breathing or maybe you're watching us online and you're breathing and maybe it's hard for you to move, maybe you couldn't come to church, but if you can hear my voice, there's still purpose for you. There's still purpose for you. There are things inside of you who are, that are locked up. They're waiting. And maybe, maybe you're at different stages. Maybe in your, that third trimester, you're saying, oh, I don't know what I got. I'm just sick all the time. Have you ever been there? You don't, you don't know what's going on, but you're sick all the time. And you're rebuking everything. No, no, no. There are things inside of you. See, that's when you expose yourself to the Word of God, it says that it will not return void. It's going to create. It's a seed that is planted in your spirit that it connects with your purpose and it needs to be developed inside of you. And guess what? It's time for delivery. Many of you are in that labor room. Many of you are in a place where developing. Maybe you feel like a foot coming out. Maybe, hey, you know, that... that First trimester, it's, it's tough. You get sick all the time. You know, I know all that about because my wife is six months pregnant and she couldn't be here this morning and she's having a, a, a rough morning. But here's, it, it, there's in, things inside of you that need to come out. The world needs those things that God has placed in each one of you. So when we talk about guarding our heart, it's very interesting. It's, it's very important. That it's not something that you just put away. I love when Jesus is talking in the uh, Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He says, blessed are those of pure heart because they will see the Lord. Now, that word, pure heart, you will think it's like, you know, never got cheated on never came in and took advantage of it, nobody touched it, nobody did anything wrong, never, never been lied, you never taken advantage. It's great. But it actually what, what that word clean heart means is the word, the Greek word katharos, which actually is the root word for catheter. And so it means that it needs to pull something, it needs to cleanse, it needs to clean maybe the heart. And it's funny because all of our systems, all we were designed in a way to get rid of what we don't need. Everything that you don't need, your body, just take it out. Everything has a system of expulsion but the heart. The heart is the one that you need to make a conscious decision to let go of things. The heart is the one that, oh, I'll do it later. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to let things go. Well, are they really? Because what you need to understand is when we're training our heart and shaping our hearts to be according to what God has in store for each one of us, we need to have a clean heart. Why? Because that's going to make us see the Lord. Now, it's, it's interesting. Because when you're hurt, when you're offended, when you're angry, you, the focal point of your sight, of your gaze, of what you're looking, of your vision, it's usually retribution. It's usually my pain. 
And what if the Lord wants to do something in you? The Lord wants to do, and he wants to show himself powerful and merciful in front of you, but your mind, it's connected to the hurt. And that's why I love Hebrews 12 when it says that fixing our eyes, it talks about a conscious decision, a resolution I make because it's so easy to get distracted and look at other things but the Lord. So I believe as you clean your heart and you let go of anything, resentment, anything, expectations, failure, anything that may be happening inside of you, when you let go of those things, it's like the Lord is cleaning you and you will be able to see him clear. In Jesus' name. I believe that in this time, we're going to see the hand of the Lord like we have never seen it before. You cannot take it the same way, you, or you cannot give it back the same way you got it. Some time ago, I got interested in running. And so I, I you know, here at the Child Development Center, they have a 5K and fun run. And so uh, I signed up for the 5K. Now, they looked at me and said, there's also a fun run. <laughs> I said, okay. Halfway through the race, I regretted I signed for the 5K, and it's like, you know, it wasn't just an advice. It was a word of wisdom for me. <laughs> fun run, walking with me. I'm like, oh, there's some butterflies here, and just, you know, that pace. I needed that pace. But what I found in that, you know, it was... <laughs> First time I ran, it was so bad that when I was finishing, I thought there were going to be people cheering, you know, and I was running and getting close to it. You know, everyone had left. Just the cleaning crew were just upset that they had to pick up, and I was taking so long to get there. The problem was I was not prepared for it. I had the, I mean, I had the right gear. I had, the, I had a clear idea. I had the map. You know, they could track me if I get lost or something. I mean, I, I had everything, but I could not get there. There were things that were stopping me, and my heart was not ready. And so I asked a friend of mine who runs marathons, it's like, how do you, how do you train? How do you, how do you get this, you know, to be able to finish? Because there's, there are 26 miles. So how do you, how do, you do that? And, you know, 5K for me, it was, it was a little challenging. And he, uh, he told me, one of the, all the things, out of all the things he told me, this stuck with me. And it was the first 24 miles I ran with my legs. The last two miles I ran with my heart. And, I re and, and the Lord spoke to me. And he was just talking about the physical. I was thinking about the spiritual. And there's this journey of, of understanding how the heart works and functions. And the Lord spoke to me, you can only go as far as your heart will let you. You can only go as far as your heart will let you. And it is the craziest thing that you can have dreams, you can have desires, and maybe you have them inside of you. You have dreams and desires and projects and ministry and gifts and songs and messages and all kinds of things, but somehow you've learned to slow down. And maybe it's because your heart's not ready to take you to that place. You, because you can only go as far as far as your heart will let you. You know, unless you train your heart, you will probably stay in the same places with the same limitations. Now, Nehemiah, my, now it's going to be my oldest, um, he loves the zoo, and we love going to the zoo here in Fort Worth. And one of the things that he loves doing is feeding the giraffe. He, they, he just loves that. And, I, you know, as we were going, you know, that's a must-stop when we go to the zoo, you know, give him some, some lettuce and stuff. But I find these animals to be very, very interesting because they can get as tall as 15, 20 feet, and also they can be agile and run up to 40 miles. Now, usually in nature, this doesn't happen, especially, you know, in mammals, especially in, in animals like, you know, that, this kind. 
that they will be able to get a high perspective. They can see from above, but still be grounded to be fast and quick. Usually with humans, we tend to pick one or the other. Have you met people like that? that I mean, they're so high up that they've lost ground. They, they talk big game, you know, they start name dropping here, they know such and such, and they, I mean, they, they're so great, they, they lost humility. At the same time, you know, we have people who are so well grounded that their vision is up to here. They can't see above. And the problem is, it's not that they don't want. It's that you tell people, you need to have more faith. And, okay, so where do I download that? You know, how do I fill the card for that? I mean, no, really, I mean, where do you, where do you get more faith? Where, where, where do you get that? But here's the thing. The great, great thing is that I discover that what makes the giraffe so special is that it can be so tall and can be fast on the ground because of the size of its heart. You know, the size of a giraffe can weigh up to 25 pounds. 25 pounds. So it has enough energy to pump oxygen and blood so he will not lose his head. Well, it's running, and suddenly it doesn't have enough. It doesn't have enough energy. So what I'm saying is you can have a vision, a kingdom vision. You can dream. At the same time, you can stay grounded and walk in humility and still live in your purpose because you develop the heart that will take you there. If you develop your heart, here's, and that's what, the, that's what the, the writer of Proverbs says. Out of anything, you know, we have passwords for everything now. We, we have, we're, you know, lock this, and we have, you know, locks for everything. But our heart, we just leave it. And it's, it, the writer of Proverbs says, out of all things you can say, uh, keep safe. Out of all the things that you can just leave it under the desk, Guard your heart, because out of it flows life. Out of it flows life. And let me hear, let me, let me tell you, that, that what's interesting about this is that the enemy knows this very well. Because the enemy wants to stop you. Society People, background, culture, they're always trying to put a limit on what you should, what you shouldn't, and make you feel bad or good about it. But that's the enemy because, because he, can, he only fights what he fears. I've discovered that the enemy only fights what he fears. And so, yeah, he can mess with your car, but he doesn't need a car. You know, he doesn't drive anywhere. You know, he, he can mess with your family, with your, with your house. Yeah, but he doesn't need a roof. He can mess with, with, with your finances, but, but he doesn't need to buy anything. He can, you know, what we think of when he uh, comes to kill, it's just our lives. No, it's not even that. He wants to affect the seed that God has placed inside of you. He wants to affect and steal the purpose that God has given inside of you. He wants to steal and mess with your future. Now, John 10.10 10 says, you know this very well, that the thief comes only. See, here's the thing. That I like that because it tells me that while we are, you know, running around and doing crazy stuff, the enemy is focused. He didn't come for everything. He didn't come. He said he came for three things, only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came, Jesus speaking, that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, there are three actions that the enemy, the three schemes, three um, strategies that the enemy will use to distract you from your purpose, it will take you away from it. 
And the very first one is that word steal. And it actually is the word in Greek, klepto, which means literally that you get distracted so somebody can steal from you. It's not like a gunpoint. It's like, give me your belongings type of steal. It's, it's going to create something here to get something from you here. He's going to make deceivement. He's going to make things happen for you to be concerned, for you to be distracted in other things than what is really what you should be focusing in. I love Paul's uh, measurement or Paul's measure of success. In Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, he makes a summary of his life. And I want to read to you about three actions he takes of responding to what God gave him. We, we are in a, we're collaborating with the Lord. Okay, sometimes, you know, when we have so much faith but very little action, it's like, the Lord, only you can do it. Yes, but you still need to show to the scene. You need to still, still come and, and develop and train. You know, Proverbs 21, 31 says that the horse, I'm not calling you a horse, okay, the horse will train for the race, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So I'm going to be diligent in doing what I'm supposed to do, but depend that the victory depends on the Lord. Now, 2 Timothy 4, 7 says that Paul, is, this, this is at the end of his life. He is, is a farewell um, part of his letter to Timothy. He's, he is close to the end, and probably this is the last time they're going to be talking. And he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You see, he didn't pick the race. He didn't pick the fight. He said, I fought the good fight. Not any fight. He fought the good fight. And what the enemy wants to do is for you to engage in the wrong fight. It's going to keep you distracted. It's going to keep you on things that, that are not belong to your purpose, that should not be engaging on those things. Because Paul says, listen, I came to fight. And I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fight because you're avoiding being human. You were born from a fight. You were born from crisis. And from crisis appears opportunity. You know, it's, it's, it's just it's in our nature. But maturity, it's about learning what fights to engage. I was not designed to fight all fights. That's the thing about pros and amateurs. Amateurs will, will fight out of the bar. Pros will be like, okay, so, you know, it, not too long ago they had the, you know, the, the fight, uh, you know, the mixed martial arts, and it took 40 seconds. And I felt bad for the guy who, who lost. It was like, man, 40 seconds. Until I realized he was making millions of dollars just for those 40 seconds. And I was thinking, how long, how long could I last? <laughs> See, that's the difference. They pick the good fight. They pick something. It's in our nature to fight, yes. But we are meant to fight for the right things. So the enemy, he wants to distract you, to steal from you. Because it's good that we have opinions. It's, we, it's good that we, we stand on things. But the problem is not our opinions by itself. It's like having soda or pop. You know, my wife is from the Midwest. They call it pop. Some other places, they call it soda. I call it Dr. Pepper. That's just... <laughs> end of discussion. That's it. Soda, pop, Dr. Pepper. Some people call it Coke. I call it Dr. Pepper. It's like drinking Dr. Pepper. The action itself, is it good or is it bad? Well, it depends on what it does to you. Because if you're healthy, if there's no issues, you can drink that soda pop, Dr. Pepper. But what happens if you're diabetic? 
It's going to do something to you. And so things that get distracted in, or we get distracted, things that come to distract us, it's not so much about thinking in a right way or thinking in certain aspect. It's what you have to measure is what that opinion is doing to your heart. If it's making you angry, if it's making you upset, then we, we need to revalue how those things, how are we protecting our heart. And I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't have an opinion on things. Of course you do. But we have to be careful that it's not stealing our heart. He fought the good fight. He finished the race. And when we are distracted, what if you knew that you were supposed to be in a race, but you didn't hear the starting gun? Because you were distracted. And suddenly, people are running over you, and you're like, well, what's going on? I, I, I didn't know we started. Because people are running. And there's a race. You, you, this is what you need to know. What's inside of you. You have to fight the good fight. What if you're thrown into the ring, and somebody starts throwing punches at you, and they say, I didn't do anything with him. I, I mean, I, I haven't done anything to you. That's the hardest thing for me. To be honest with you, when, when they punch each other and they, they hug and it's like, I, I don't know how they do it, but they, 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 they do. It's like, you know, thank you, but like, I don't know how they do it. But, but what if what you've been dealing with lately, that you feel um, that, that the enemy is after you, the things that are happening, the craziness that are happening in your family, it's because, not, not only because the Lord is allowing some things or the enemy is attacking you, but you were actually in the middle of a fight you just didn't know because you've been distracted. And sometimes we're just, Lord, rebuke this, you know, demons, rebuke, Lord, this. And, we, you know, we anoint, we marinate the whole house, and we just keep, you know, we just, just in case, you know, but what if you've been distracted and you were meant to be in that fight? And you're asking the Lord to take something that's going to take you where you need to go. Maybe that fight, maybe that struggle, maybe what's happening, maybe that craziness in your family, maybe it's what's keeping your heart alive. Maybe it's what the Lord is providing. You just didn't know because we were distracted. I didn't know I was supposed to fight. I didn't know I was supposed to run this race. And I kept that faith. That same word that Paul uses is the same word that is guard. I train my faith. That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that we have more faith because we all have, we're all been given a measure of faith. Now, I cannot produce faith, okay? There's, there's no formula to produce faith. You just have a measure of faith. So what you do through struggles, that's what the book of James says. That the, 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 the test of our faith, so you have to test your faith. Sometimes we, we want to get comfortable with our faith, but you have to test it to know its limits, if you don't go to work out, if you don't go to expose yourself into, you know, running a 5K maybe, where you should be running first a fun run, <laughs> hey, there's no shame in it. You started. Hey, you, I mean, you got to start somewhere. But what I'm saying is if you don't test yourself in there, you might think in your head, oh, I got this. I can run it. I can do it. But in reality... We are out of shape spiritually, mentally, emotionally, because it will end up affecting you and slowing you down from the gifts, slowing you down from the purpose, slowing you down for the things that God meant for you to achieve. Now, the second word, so the first strategy of the enemy was klepto, which actually means that he will distract you. The second, he came to kill. And it says it's the word tool, which means to sacrifice. It's not just to kill as in to just 
take life from you. It actually is to sacrifice. In that same word in 1 Corinthians, Paul uses it as it, with the life of Jesus because that expression was used from, you know, they had cows and they had all kinds of animals, but they would pick, you know, in the Old Testament, they would pick certain types of animals and they were meant, they were not meant for steak, you know, they were not made for butter. They were not made for anything, other products or milk. They were meant to be sacrificed as offering for the Lord. So that word, too, is that's where it comes from. It's like it's repurposed for something else. That's what the, you know, the, that's what 1 Corinthians talks about, the life of Jesus. You know, he came to this earth and he preached, I mean, um, we're still talking 2,000 2, years after, you know, he, he came. We're still talking about him. I mean, it was a, such a relevant. He changed humanity. He reconnected us with heaven. But it was more than just preaching. It was more than healing. It was more than good stories. He came for his life to be sacrificed so you and I can have access to the Father, so you, can, you and I can have access to the mercy, so you and I cannot be lost, but we are now found. And that's what Mark says. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we always say that Jesus came for the lost. Well, he came for that which was lost, not the lost. What I'm trying to say is, before you lose someone, you lose something. Have you noticed that? Be before you get, sign the papers of divorce, you lost something along the way. Before somebody gets dismissed from their job, it means just something got lost along the way that just kept going and going and going until it disconnects, it dies. So Jesus came to the source that which was lost because we are investing our lives. We are, what the enemy will do is first he will, he will distract you. The second thing he will do, he was, he's going to repurpose you. He's going to make you invest in the wrong things. He's gonna, you're going to put all of your efforts. He's going to present to you these images that, oh, I, this is what I have to do. Like, like you know, Plato had a, um, a, a, an allegory of the cave where, where people will be chained up and they will grow and they had images that they'll project and they will feel those are the life that they wanted. That's what they achieved, but they were in chains. Years ago, um, we were, I was in my in-law's house in Indiana, and one of the traditions that they have is that they like to, uh, on the holidays, they like to make puzzles, they have to build puzzles. And so, you know, I, I like the, the hundred peas, I like the 20 peas. <laughs> I like to keep it simple. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Opening my heart here. But Erin, you know, her family, like, did 2,000 piece. She's just, just a lot smarter than me, just so you know. And, and so one day I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture. I'm going to try on the 2,000. I, I, I think I got the 100 piece, the 20 piece, you know. I'm going to go venture into 1,000, the 2,000. So I grab a box and start working on it, and, you know, they, they look all the same. You know, they have red, with, and you just, you know, you put the picture there, and you're like, it's not working. So after... I won't say how long it was, but <laughs> after a period of time of meditation, of questioning my life and my salvation, <laughs> why is not this working? She comes, and she looks at me, and I'm like, all concerned. And she's like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm trying to build this puzzle. And it's like, you have the wrong box. <laughs> That's why they don't match. But, I mean, it's red, and they're colors, and, but they don't match. Have we ever been there? That was quick. I was hoping that you, that will sink in for a couple of seconds. Have you ever been working with the right pieces, but the wrong box? Have you ever been that... 
Who gave you this box? Where did you find it? Isn't that what God asks Adam? The very first thing in, in Genesis 3, he says, Adam, where are you? Probably because he was lost, not because God didn't know where he was. Adam, do you know where you are? The second question is, who told you? Who gave you that box? Who, who, who told you that your pieces had to make it work with this box? And isn't that what we always end up doing and gathering? We're always finding who's got the coolest, hippest box. I want his success, so I'm just going to purchase and replicate his box. And comes to frustration because we discover that we're just trying to make those pieces fit, but they don't fit. And so the enemy wants you to have you to be distracted so he can steal time from you. Because that's a key aspect. When running, when working out, you, you're not in a competition against others. You're in a competition against time. You always tell you time. So the most valuable thing for training the heart is time. So a lot of people work for money. I always tell don't work for money. Work for time. Because you can have money up and down. It comes and goes. Time will never come back. How you spend that time, how you spend that energy, how you build your heart, it will be an investment for the future that is locked up inside of you. And so what the enemy wants, he wants for you to be invested in downloading or gathering a box that it tells you, no, you should be this but my pieces don't match. I believe that God created you with purpose, with gifts, with things inside of you, and he has provided the right box for you to build. The, the, isn't life like a lot of like just random pieces? Maybe this goes together, maybe it doesn't, and we're trying and trying to figure it out, but if you have the wrong box, you'll never make it work. And the dangerous thing, when you have and you provide a box, let's say for your children. Now, I want you, I want you to be this. But what if their pieces don't match? No, it's a good desire. We have good desires. We want them to succeed, but we want to give them the box. We want to tell them what they should be. And isn't that what society is telling you? Oh, no, no, you need to be this. This is your corner. This is your identity. This is where you should be. This is how you should feel. This is how you should act. This is how you should talk. And it's a box that sometimes can fit. Sometimes you can get around the corners until you're discovering that you get stuck in life but you're so invested in it that's hard to come back and reconfigure things. So it's very dangerous that you might be working with the right pieces and the wrong box. Who provided that box? Just make sure it was the Lord. And where did the Lord place that box? Inside of you. He, did, he put it inside of you that through development through faith, you will discover what he has placed, all those gifts that are inside of you. The third action is to destroy. And that word is the word apolumi, which literally means to completely disconnect from the source. You see how the enemy is trying to stop you. First, it will distract you. It's going to keep you so busy in this that your time was up. The starting gun happened. The bell rang. It's time for a fight. But you're distracted. You're, you're busy in other things. You're thinking about other stuff. You're engaged in other affairs. And then he's going to try to repurpose you for you to live 
what's, for what society tells you that it's success, for what it will define where you should go and what you can do, what you can achieve. But that's the enemy. And I'm not saying, you know, please don't take this. I'm like saying tomorrow you need to put your two-week notice and you need to give, you know, like start your own adventure. It's like I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, if for some reason you're investing your life in the wrong things, maybe you need to look back a little bit. Maybe, maybe the dream job that you had, maybe the, the things that you desire as, as human beings, maybe are projections that society gave us, but not really making us happy. And the complete opposite. They're making us more empty. They're leaving us more empty. It's like, we don't, we, I know I got this. How many of you have issues with being grateful? Being thankful. It's just like, you know what? It's a good day. I want to thank the Lord for it. Sometimes when we're so invested in the wrong things, it's like we missed our purpose. There's something inside of you, and I cannot tell you how to discover that. How to, it's something inside of you that keeps telling you, hey, you were better than this. Hey, I know there's more than just what you're doing. It's more than, than, than just living. It's more than just doing. It's about becoming, becoming unstoppable. So that third word is the word apolumi, which means to wear you out to the point that you got no more energy. Now think about this device. I thought at some point I, they had told me that this was going to give me freedom. It was going to make my life so much easier. It was going to, you know, I was able to communicate better. And to be honest with you, it's the complete opposite. It's not easier. And, uh, and you know, the, the more things that they show, and, you know, and it feels like you have to now recharge everything. You have to charge us for everything. You know, you have cables here and cables there. And, and I thought we were moving away from cables. Now we're going back to cables. And, you know, we just go in cycles. But what good is this unplugged? To the point where it's functional, it has great technology as long as it's connected to the source. And so what the enemy will do is that he's going to distract you. He's going to repurpose. He's going to keep you busy on the wrong things, engaged in the wrong things to wear you out to the point, to the point that you're unplugged from the source. This is what you need to know. Isolation always lead to desolation. I've seen, this is so important because I've seen so many people have fire of God inside of them that they have purpose, they have a destiny, they have just everything in their heart. Is like, it's like every time they open the Bible, something inside of them until something happens. They get offended. They've discovered the party, you know, they invite him. They found it on their, you know, Instagram stories, and they're like, hey, what happened? You know, I didn't know I was going, you know. And maybe, maybe, maybe you've been engaged in the wrong things, and it's stealing your heart, and it's stealing what belongs to you, and stealing and making you upset and angry. Because the enemy, once he has, dis has you distracted, once he has put a seed of anger and doubt and things in your heart, offenses, and everything that makes you stop is going to try to isolate you. And I know it's easy for you to say, well, I don't like this church. I'm going to go to the next one. And maybe that will solve the problem. Or maybe it's not. Or maybe, you know, oh, I, just, I just need to change the environment. Maybe that will work. Maybe it's not. Because the enemy is always going to try. Then again, the enemy is always after what he fears. And let me tell you, the enemy fears who you can become. 
The enemy doesn't fear your bank account. The enemy fears what's locked up inside of you. You know, he's not even afraid of your gifts. He's afraid of the future that is inside of you. And you may be distracted. Maybe you're upset. Maybe you're not, you don't even know. It's like, I, I've been working and been getting boxes and boxes. I don't even know where, where, this, I mean, where this piece is fit. And maybe you're unplugged, completely worn out. And what we do, we keep staying busy and busier and busier. And we, we accumulate activities and we accumulate activities. But down inside of you, you know very well that there's something that is asking you, can I come out? There are things inside of you that God has placed that's going to make you become unstoppable. And what this does, this kicking you into be isolated, it's a very dangerous spot because you were made for something much bigger. In 1988, and I'm finishing with this. In 1988, there's an earthquake that devastated the north side of Armenia. It says that it killed over 25,000 people. On that December, there was a morning of December. A father took his child, his son, to school. Minutes after that, he realized of what had happened. So he turns around and comes back to, to, to the, you know, the, the school only to find it flattened. And he goes after and goes looking for, for you know, his son and it's, there's rubble everywhere and people looking. And after a couple hours, he was tired and people tell him, just, just give up. Just, it's, 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 it's done. There's nothing, there's there's nobody there. But he wanted, he needed to know if his son's still alive. Is there's a possibility? He was gonna fight for it. 38 hours have passed. And he's looking and he's saying, Armand! And he moves a rock. And he hears a voice that says, Daddy! And he moves and he found 13 other people, including its teacher, that were there. But the crazy thing is that as he is opening up, the kid was saying, see, I told you that my dad would come, that my dad would come after me, that he was not going to leave me here. Let me tell you, there's a father in heaven. So maybe there's been an earthquake happening in you. Maybe things have stole your joy. Maybe things have happened. Maybe it's what they took from you. Maybe how they abused you. Maybe all the crazy stuff that's been going on, it's like an earthquake and your heart is under rubble. And you're wondering, is there more life than this? Is there more life than punching a card and receiving a paycheck? Is there more something to just walking and sleeping and waking up and feeding yourself? Is there something more to life than this? And maybe you're under rubble because of an earthquake that's happening and you don't control it. You're just waiting. But let me hear you tell you, there is a Father in heaven who is coming after you. You should not die. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgiven you. There is a Father in heaven who wants to recover your heart. Maybe you felt stopped. Maybe through years, you just accepted. You know, it's just not, not like I used to be. And you can accept that. Or you can believe that what's inside of you it just needs training to develop the base days of your life. The joy, the love, the passion. It's very dangerous. And if you feel, and you're here today, because it's not about going to church or not going to church. In the book of Revelation, it talks about this church they had the best music. They had the best programs. You know, they, they, they had it together. 
I mean, they really did. But Jesus said, you know, I'm, that's really great. All those programs, man, all the music and all the preaching and all the groups and all that stuff. Man, that's, you, you, you guys are doing great. But I have one problem. You've lost your first love. Maybe you've worn out. Maybe you're tired. And I would like for you to, to, to stand on your feet as we pray and close your eyes. And if there's somebody here this morning that you've lost your heart, maybe you're so tired, and close, if you can close your eyes, and I want you to think about this for a couple of seconds. Maybe in your heart you're tired, and maybe you, t- you tell people everything is good and you, you know, you're blessed and highly favored and everything is great. But deep down inside of you, once the lights have turned off and one, once the expectations and once people know about what they can criticize and tell you and judge, what's your heart telling you? What is that which God gave you, that purpose and destiny that is locked inside of you. What is telling you? There's no need to slow down. If you're breathing, if you have a pulse, there's still purpose in this life. And if you've lost your heart, or you say, hey, I don't even know I was in a race. I didn't even know I was in a fight. I was just, just thrown into it. We want to pray for you. There's going to be a group of people that are going to come and pray for you. Please, you have to train your heart. Don't, don't, don't let the enemy isolate you because what he wants is to unplug you from the purpose, from the destiny that you have locked inside of you. But maybe you have slowed down, but there's so much more for you. Don't lose heart because you were meant to become unstoppable. If that's you, there's going to be a group of people that are going to pray. So we're going to worship. But please, before we leave, don't, don't let it go without you becoming truly unstoppable in Jesus' name.